You're listening to The Phillips File. Every Wednesday at this time, we talk with Scott Maxwell. Mr. Maxwell writes the Taking Names column for the Orlando Sentinel. Please welcome him back to the program. By the way, thanks for filling in during my absence last week. I appreciate that last Thursday. Oh, your folks make it easy, and it was uh, fun to see your texts. I've never seen anybody who enjoyed themselves quite so much at a heart investigation (laughs) or whatever you were going through. I'm thinking, well, you never know. Scott said you were getting your... Might be my last photograph. He said you were your 15,000-mile checkup. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was. Yeah, I figure you're good for another year, right? Six well, at least you can only hope so. You know, mm-hmm. you know as well as I do. If you write a column or if you have a show like this, that there's a certain percentage of the people who read you or listen to me that want you dead anyway. Oh, stop so. it! What well, kind it's of, true. What I mean, come say? on, let's just tell the truth. Wait, didn't you? We say hear it all the time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've you? always thought that the sign of a good life was when you die, and it is a jam-packed funeral with half the people sobbing and the other half glad you're dead. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. Waving goodbye. Yeah. Let me move on to a couple well, of things. Uh, the Pulse anniversary is fast approaching. Uh, your thoughts a couple of years after this uh, tragedy? Well, I just uh, posted a column uh, today, just now, for tomorrow's paper about sort of on this topic, and it's it's uh, the notion that we we are in uh, a week right now. We just had gay days with 150,000 or so people uh, down here last weekend, and now we're getting all these commemorations and memorials, and a lot of it is sort of take moved on to the next phase, which is equal rights. It's it's not just so much. It's not exclusively about the victims. It's about unity and equality for all. And everybody seems to be pretty much on the same page. But one of the things I know, uh, and I think you know that a lot of newcomers don't, is this is not the way it always was That's right. in Orlando. That uh, not that long ago, 20, 15, 20 years ago, just the idea of flying a rainbow flag made people just freak the hell out. Yeah, they, they were protesting uh, City Hall. We had Pat Robertson warning us that hurricanes were going to flatten the city if we waved them in God's face. There, I, I'd forgotten there were so many who went around town in the dead of night uh, ripping all the rainbow flags down. Uh, so, but but this community uh, has come a long way, and now I mean, forget forget debates over the flags. Our whole our whole damn amphitheaters a flag down at uh, a rainbow uh, down at Lake Eola. Or the band show, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The band show, exactly. We have as many people come out to pride parades. I'm going to say more people yes. come to the pride parades than do to any of the college football games. So this is now an inclusive community, but it didn't always get that way. But uh, the thing I think is worth noting is that why this fight still goes on is while this is a pretty inclusive community, this is still one backwards-ass state we live in, and that virtually every little step towards equality, whether it's ending gay ban on gay adoption, whether it's ending ban on gay marriage, everyone has – Florida has been dragged kicking and screaming with the governor and attorney general, whoever that is, fighting every step of the way. Why do you think that is? It was just a conservative state? That we bring so many people in from, let's say, conservative other conservative states who retire here. This is the way they want it always to be. I think there's a certain element of, of truth to that. I think there's some primary politics um, involved that you just figure you can't ever... Uh, I don't know. I have to tell you, I talked to Carlos Smith, you know, the first state's first openly gay elected rep about this, and he says if it walks like a duck and looks like quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And he says it's just good old-fashioned 
bigotry. These people don't believe in the same equality. Um, I don't. I don't know that I believe that. I think with someone like Pam Bondi, it's pandering. Uh, I mean, you, you remember her. She she was one of the last AGs fighting uh, to ban gay marriage. But yeah. as soon as Pulse attack happened, she zipped down here to try to get with Anderson Cooper, who filleted her on national television. When she started talking about nobody attacks our community, and the gay community is like, who the hell do you think you are talking about our community? Okay. Not three months ago, you were filing briefs to tell me I didn't have a right to adopt a kid or marry somebody, and now now you're part of our community. So. I don't. I yeah. think it's just politics. I it's sometimes wonder whether they're hangers on. You know, there's a social movement that gets underway. The focus is is a lot more because of the polls tragedy. You know, people want, especially politicians, of course, want to get their mug in there and say things that look or sound good on TV or on the radio or or in print. Uh, not all by any means, but uh, but there's some, and we know who they are. You know, you talk, one of the interesting things uh, that I, one of the things I find fascinating uh, among the gay community, and I think it's not nationwide necessarily, but you talk to some persons, gay, lesbian, whatever, and they'll, they'll begin to talk a little bit about loss of identity because before the gay move, before the movement really got underway, you know, there, you'd go to places, you'd be together. There was something about being gay and strength and numbers and protection. And now it's, to a large degree, you know, a person's sexual orientation is accepted. And uh, you lose, you'll, you'll, you'll hear from some people, you know, kind of a, a little loss of identity. It's a, I think it's a fascinating subject. I mean, on one hand, they'll say, well, this is absolutely great because we're being accepted. But then on the other hand, we're losing a, you know, a little bit of that, you know, we were in this together and now not maybe necessarily so. I guess I can. I haven't seen or heard as much about that, but I, I could see that. But I still would be I would be prone to think that the positives would outweigh the negatives. Oh, I don't think there's. A, yeah, I don't think there's any argument there, but you still at a particular point in time could identify yourself as gay. And you still identify yourself as gay, but maybe the the observation might, generally speaking, overall, it doesn't have the, the same import that that it used to. It's it's well, just well, a, you, I, there, there, and there are still lots of there's still lots of things to fight at the state level. I mean, right right now I there is. A, do you know that every year for past ten years there has been a bill filed called the Competitive Workforce Bill. This is a bill that basically would ban discrimination in the workplace based on sexual orientation or gender uh, identity. Uh, and this is a bill that is widely supported. It's not controversial. Companies like Disney have supported it. Uber, AT and T, Marriott. Uh, but for for 10 years in a row, the leadership in the legislature has refused to even let it have a hearing. So if you're looking, and in fact, I'm getting ready when I get off the phone with you, I'm heading to a fundraiser with Matthew Shepard's uh, parents for the One Pulse Foundation. I'm helping do a Q&A with them before a, uh, uh, or to raise money for that. And, and, and one of the things that the Shepherds have said is they, they started up their foundation, foundation for their son, who you may remember was brutally murdered 20 years ago in Wyoming, is that they hope that the day will come that their foundation is never needed. But i got to tell you, that day is still a long way off. I don't disagree. 
because they are still fighting these these silly things where you have Republicans, you have Democrats, you have businesses. But if you talk to any economic development type, they will tell you, forget giving incentives to anybody. Make sure you every company knows that you are a, an inclusive state, a place where if a an executive comes down, his his son won't get fired because of who she is or who uh, or who he is. Uh, and they just won't do it. They well, can be fired instance, based on can't they be fired as well as not denied housing sure. still? In many yeah. instances, though, politics fought legs way behind social movements. The point that I was trying to make, there used to be a point in this town as well, and in many other places, if you were gay, you'd have to go to a gay club. And for most for the most part, straight people would not go to those clubs. Uh, they didn't want to be any part of that. Now be hard pressed to find a strictly gay club in orlando clubs are open to everybody now and might now there might be a club that draws more gay people gays and lesbians than other clubs but remember that time there used to be a scattering maybe a half a dozen clubs in this town not too long ago that was strictly gay clubs Mm -hmm. and that's changed and what i'm saying is there's a there's I think socially there's more of a general acceptance, and the question is whether gay people feel that. And when, you know, of course they say we've made strides, we've made advances. There's still battles to win, but uh, they'll. But some of them will also say, but you know, there's uh, to a certain degree, you know, when you look back, a certain loss of identity because there. This is the fight that they are in. That's the, uh, that's interesting. Although I, I think Southern Knights is probably pretty still pretty gay but but i, I don't know i yeah. i haven't been there since you and i went there one of the things that you have talked about and that i agree with is this, this is an issue that is going we, we are witnessing witnessing the death throes of this uh, discrimination that when my kids get to be in charge this is this is not an issue for them and one of the uh, most interesting vignettes i remember is one day i was driving my daughter and two of her friends around in the back seat and they were all 16 years old and they started talking about one of their friends who I didn't know if this friend identified as a boy or a girl, and I was just curious. So I asked him, I said, hey, does so-and-so is, uh, identify as a boy or a girl? And they looked at each other for a second, and then they shrugged, said, we don't know, and went right back to yapping. And the point, huh. of, the story, the point of the story is not that they didn't know, it's that they didn't care. Right. This next generation just gets bewildered by why adults spend all this time and energy fussing. All, all, this, all these girls knew was that that kid was their friend, and that's the only thing that mattered. Yeah, that's good news. Talk to me about Adam Putnam, the Republican gubernatorial candidate. I think I saw something in your column or on the Internet where Adam Putnam has, has had a change in, uh, change in attitude when it comes to what? Term limits? Uh-huh. Yeah, I just read that piece today. Uh, but yes, see, so term limits are in vogue right now. Uh, everybody wants to rail against politicians, and why not? And as you know, Rick Scott has made this whole campaign uh, about he wants to imp- uh, bring term limits to Washington, D.C. Never mind that I will eat my left testicle if he does. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> Mark that. Mark that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> because it's going to involve changing the United States Constitution. That's the only way you have it. So, so not only would, would they have to convince Congress to put term limits on itself, which they won't do, you'd have to have like a constitution. 
constitutional convention to get this thing done. But anyway, so term limits are popular. Everybody's yapping about them. And Adam Putnam's uh, opponent, Ron DeSantis, apparently has been talking about them as well. So Adam Putnam, who apparently has been uh, anti-term limits for all of his career, suddenly up and said, "Uh, yeah, 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 term limits. I'm I'm for them as well. I forgot to mention, and uh, my hat's off to, uh, to your colleagues, uh, Beth Kassab and her colleagues, who came out with a second uh, part yeah. in a series of reports on vouchers on the voucher system and charter schools, uh, I, I was I was so I've said this before, and they are so mad after reading that uh, that column that they put not column but that article that they put together. I was so mad I could spit. Yeah, I mean yeah. these are my wife calls them madrasas. They are mm. they are nothing but schools for. You know, I think the equivalent of nothing more than uh, than a a strictly white Protestant, if you want to call it that, version of of the Christian religion, and that's all they do. Well, ex- except, except at our expense, a lot of, of them are black. I have to say, a lot of them are poor and black, but they're still they're still Protestant. Uh, but but I think some of the greater concerns are actually among the poorest communities of where they're going, and they tell the t- parents what's a biblical education. That's all they really hear. And you know, there's nothing wrong with a Christian uh, background, but they're telling them things that just aren't aren't true. I'm not saying things that are debatable, things that aren't true. Man and brontosauruses didn't run around the planet together. Right. Uh, the the <laughs> slaves uh, that knew God weren't better off than free men who didn't, which is another thing they were saying. The civil rights movement in the 1960s, it's described in these, some of these books uh, as being something that was stirred up by agitators that were trying to uh, disrupt the races that were getting along so well <laughs> until then. I mean, why is there and, you know, I keep, you know, hitting myself, you know, and why is there no any, it seems, local for the most part or any, for the most part, state regulation of these schools, whether it's the facilities or whether it's somebody judging. There, there no, there's no state exam. There's no way to determine whether these children are getting a modicum of an education. Correct. Uh, and, and it is by design. They do not want accountability. While we're talking, I'm going to retweet something right now. Your listeners, if you want to go to me, Twitter, uh, Scott underscore Maxwell, that's all my Twitter account is, of, how, of what is required of these schools. And, for instance, uh, a, a public school, the typical school we talk about, that they regulate the hell out of because right. they say there are little failure factors. We have to know exactly how every dollar is spent and everybody's getting to – they have to report graduation rates. They have to receive – they get school letters, uh, grades from the state. They must follow academic uh, – Standards. They must have uh, recess. They have to have teachers with standards. They have to with a certified or a degree. None. I repeat, not one of those things does a voucher school have to do. They can hire a seventh grade dropout to be a teacher for twelfth graders. I find this outrageous, and I, I, you know, I don't have the time. I, I just wish, you know, politicians could be just tracked down. On this, and say, did you, you know, just say, did you read these articles? And what do you think is good about this? You find anything good about this? This is nothing good. These these children are being shortchanged. These children will not have the capacity. They have no capacity for academic scholarship. That's that's that we already know that. As they become adults, they're not going to be op- to be able to operate in what we would probably call the real world. What are they going to do? 
Well, that's right, because, you know, most of the politic, political things I write about, if yeah. a politician does something stupid, we just write about it, that's you and right. I scream and we go on. But when you take away uh, a kid's year, they, they don't get that back. They don't get back uh, high school or, or middle school, and, and you're going to be doing detriment for a long time. What I think, what I hope may change, Jim, is that while I, I am also I am proud, I mean, I'm not reluctant to admit my newspaper shortcomings, we are really ahead of the curve on this. You are. Uh, on this writing. And I am hoping that more news organizations will start following uh, other newspapers and other TV stations and jamming the microphone, uh, like you're saying, in front of uh, people. Because I'm going to submit that when you are forced, when you're confronted with the realities of what we are writing about and going on in these schools, which taxpayers are absolutely funding, there is no good answer for I want to look the other way, except that you are trying to undermine. Yeah, well, good for you and good for the paper. What's coming up in the next column? Well, we got the, the sort of the history of gay right. rights in tomorrow's column, and then I actually am going to jump in on my suggestion for how we fix some of the voucher mess uh, probably for Sunday. Very good. Good work. Thank you very much. Thanks for filling in last week, too. Scott you Maxwell, he writes the Taking Names column for the Orlando Sentinel. We'll take that break. Shot Doctor's coming in for casting call. Then we have the Five Minute Professor, PPT, all that good stuff upcoming on Real Radio 104.1. You're listening to Real Radio, available everywhere you want to listen. Yeah, even there, on our free iHeartRadio app. Download it now.